0: Hello, and welcome back to the Football Per 90 podcast. This week, we're going to be discussing the race for top four in the Premier League. So, so far this season, it seems like the top three throughout the, for, for the rest of the campaign is more or less set in stone. Um, but the last spot for Champions League qualification has become a lot more interesting in the last few weeks. Uh, it's up for grabs from you know i would say about four different teams so we're going to be discussing all four of those teams today um and talking about essentially where they stand how they've been playing uh, and what they expect uh what we expect them to kind of do by the end of the season um so with that being said i think we're going to get right into it and we're going to go bottom up talking about west ham united who currently have 32 games played um so i think they have more actually than like one or two more than a couple of the teams on this on this list um so firstly west ham united um, Aaron, Alex, feel free to hop in, whatever. But like they have 51 goals scored, uh, 42 conceded. Um, they've been pretty good this season, in my opinion. I think they've uh, been... Um, well, last season, obviously, is where they, I think, exceeded everyone's expectations. Um, and I think they've more or less uh, retained that same level of quality, which I think is also a, a pretty good sign for them, considering where they were at a, a few years before. Right, um, uh, Aaron, I know you are a pretty... A uh, big fan of West Ham United, especially like players like Mikel Antonio and stuff. What do you have any thoughts about them? How, do you, how have you seen them this season? What do you think about them?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people were expecting uh, West Ham to kind of drop off this year with, uh, with European competition. They don't really have a, a deep squad, kind of reliant on sort of five or six players in a very, very big way, such that if any of those players were to get hurt for a long time, they would really struggle. But because those players have stayed fit... Um, we're talking Mikhail Antonio, um, Jared Bowen, Rice, Sucek, and perhaps some of uh, Cresswell and, and I think Sufal are the are the ones that they kind of really struggled I'd say to replace. Zuma too. Zuma yeah, Zuma too. as well has yeah. come yeah. in this season been really good. Um, so between those players, they've been able to stay fit and and because of that, they've been firing in all competitions. Um, I don't think they're a huge threat for top four, uh, but they are there. They're probably the most consistent team left. Um, they they pretty much are always a threat in transitions. They're always a settled... They, they have a good, settled defensive shape. Um, but they don't really do anything that, that... I think at this kind of point in the table, you start to have teams who really need to control the flow of games in possession, um, be able to keep the ball, or be able to keep control of the game. Um, and they don't really do that. So their ability to challenge for top 4 kind of depends more on the other teams not performing than them being able to do anything that's going to really put them over the line I think.
0: Yeah, and I I definitely agree. They've been pretty good this season. I like I love the kind of counterattacking style they are and and I expect them to finish somewhere around 6th to 7th. Um I think even even they're 32 games that they're tied on points I believe it is with Man U who uh I also uncertain with, with their kind of run of fixtures whether they're really going to be able to snag that spot. Um, so they'll probably end up in either Europa League at the most um, if not the Conference League. I think Wolves could potentially actually take that Conference League spot because um, they're not too far off. I want to say they're on 49 points. Um, but it depends. They have a tough run coming up though, West Ham. They um, The most notable teams that they're playing is they have Chelsea, City, and Arsenal. Arsenal, who we know um, are also in this in this race for top four. City, who's trying to maintain their lead well, their one point lead over Liverpool. And Chelsea is probably, you know, more like probably just going to finish third with no threat to the title or losing top four.
1: Yeah. In terms of West Ham, um, Wolves are actually, they've kind of dipped a little bit on their metrics. Like they're, they're not really, they're not even anywhere near the top 10 on um, non penalty expected goal difference. West Ham are a pretty comfy seventh um, and the only team that, are anywhere near them really, are uh, Crystal Palace, and they're about 14 points behind. So I think it's pretty fair to say West Ham are the best of the rest. Um, the one scenario where I would see them maybe fumbling top seven is if they go really far in the Europa League and start resting players um, in order to, to try and win the Europa League. But other than that, I think it seems like they're going to be at least seven, so they'll be in Europe next season. And if one of the other teams continues to slip i think they could finish sixth or fifth
0: yeah alex i want to ask you one thing about west ham because i know you watched them obviously in their fixture against um, leon um outside of top four race but like going forward because we have seen these last two seasons they've been as aaron said kind of the best of the rest outside of the top six it's been they've, they've really really stepped it up in the past couple seasons um but Aaron made made a point about their player their their players staying healthy, but there's also a worry about some of their players leaving, right? Guys like uh Declan Rice who's been a captain in their side and a staple to their side for quite a bit. Um are you worried about a uh, team like West Ham being able to retain the kind of levels of performance and um and output that they've done so far if they lose some key players that they have?
2: I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they continue to go forward. I mean, in terms of just performance, but in terms of losing players i'm I'm not so sure it's an immediate issue. I think maybe it's it's more of an issue for replacing guys like Michael Antonio than being worried that Rice is going to leave because I think he's not pushing to leave. I think he, li- he 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 likes the idea of moving, but he's not pushing for it, and he's still got what three years on his contract, so I think he's still going to be the next season. I don't think anyone's going to pay probably the hundred million it would take to sort of prime him away um Yeah, and then other than that, they've actually, they've not got too old a squad. They've sort of got a a right-aged squad at least to do well again next season. I think, I think centre-forward is just the sort of big area that they sort of need to address, especially since, I mean, Aaron spoke about the sort of five or six players that they play regularly. Mikel Antonio is definitely the asterisk there in terms of availability. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that they're gonna, I feel that the top six might be a bit further from them next season. Mm-hmm. but I don't think that they're going to fall away from necessarily being 7th or 8th best in the Makes in sense. the league. Makes sense.
0: All right, well, then with that, I think we should move on to Manchester United, who, as I mentioned before, they're even on points um, with, with West Ham. But they have actually one game uh, over West Ham. They've played 31. West Ham's played 32. Um, kind of similar. They've conceded 42 and uh, only scored 49. I think in terms of their underlying metrics, and Aaron, you could definitely touch on this a little more. They're pretty in line. Um, I don't think it's any severe kind of over or under performance anywhere in terms of the XG they've uh, created or conceded um, but I think the bigger storyline here with, with Man United is generally overlooked or, or, or like overview wise for the season it's probably been uh, pretty disappointed by probably my I mean definitely uh, pretty disappointing with, um, with what the expectations were before the season started I remember people talking about them being like you know second place like clear contenders and stuff after additions like Varane and, and Ronaldo but that's another story so uh and i guess we'll start with you again because this is your team uh give us your brief overview and expectations with uh with uh men united and their chances of finishing in the top four
1: yeah it's been disappointing i i don't think united were ever in a title race with the squad they had and i think they jumped the gun on signing players who are in their prime before they're actually ready to challenge kind of similar to how i felt about arsenal signing thomas party is how i feel about. United signing Varane, it's the it's a good player, but the wrong time for that. Yeah. And, I mean, I can talk about Ronaldo for the rest of the hour, but I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> um, In terms of expected goals, they are about even with their expected goal difference, but I think it's worth noting that they were way above their expected goal difference when Solskjaer was sacked. And under Rangnick, they've been way below their expected goal difference. So... Around, I would say, a month or two into Ragnick's tenure, they were actually playing really well. And if they had kept that up, I would, at this point, make them favorites or second favorites for fourth. But the performance level has completely dipped. Um, they haven't won since they beat Spurs with that Ronaldo hat-trick a couple weeks ago. I think they went out of the Champions League and then drew with Leicester and then lost to Everton. Um, it seems like there are the thing with United is the whole season has felt like they've just kind of been, since Solskjaer was sacked, they've been bubbling underneath the top four, and they've been okay under Rangnick for the most part, but the problem is it's like, they have the the high-end talent to blow teams away, but they just have never started actually doing that. There are too many issues in the team, I think, that are preventing that talent from playing at their best. Um, And whether those issues are political or or, or culture-based or you know tactical, it's been a mix of all. And their best players haven't performed with their best. And I don't think you can write them off because those players are good enough such that if they were to switch it on, like if Pogba and Fernandes were to switch it on for, for five or six games, United could finish fourth. But I don't think it's likely at this point that they turn it around. And I would say on the balance of everything that's happened, they're pretty comfortably the sixth best team behind Arsenal, Spurs, and uh, and the pre established top three that we talked about.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the interesting things is they definitely also have a pretty tough run of fixtures. Just looking at it now, they have Liverpool away from home. They even have Arsenal away from home, um, and 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 they have Chelsea at home. But even even certain fixtures like Crystal Palace and Brighton, I believe they they have both of those fixtures. Um, they're away um, against both of those teams who who have been. I mean, particularly Crystal Palace have been. Pretty decent this year. I mean, we even saw them hold um, City to that draw and stuff. So, like, outside of just the three main teams you would probably note of Liverpool-Arsenal, which two of those are away from home for them, uh, even the smaller teams' away fixtures are not in their favor I think they definitely have a pretty tough run in. Um, Alex, do you expect them to pick up any points uh, against any of those teams and stuff? Surprisingly, I mean, I think most people probably thought the surprise was them losing against Everton, for example. But maybe there could be kind of like a flip flop on the other end where they end up picking up points against Arsenal, Chelsea, when maybe they weren't wouldn't be expected to. I don't know if you have any. Yeah, I don't
2: know. I don't know if I'm gonna get like side eyed, from Aaron, but I think in terms of my position as an Arsenal fan, I haven't been worried about. Man United for a while I think. Um and basically just because I think there's a there's a certain like frailty in that team that I was kind of sure that they were going to drop points. Uh and obviously the the hard fixture list also adds to that. So yeah, for me for me I do think they're going to end sixth. Um but yeah, I don't I don't think I'm not I I don't think and I hope I don't have to, you know, Come back to this at the end of the season. But I don't think they're ever going to really challenge Spurs or Arsenal for, for fifth. And I don't think fourth is a possibility. So that's, yeah. that's sort of my view on, on where, where, where United are a, looking now. <laughs> I think that's a little
1: bit bold. Not because I disagree with your appraisal of United as a team. But because they literally have to play Arsenal. Mm. And if they were to beat Arsenal, then I think that significantly raises the odds of them finishing above Arsenal. But on the other hand I I wouldn't back United to win any game at this point but what I will say is even though those teams are not at the bottom of the table they tend to be teams that will play they will that will 50-50 play you in possession so United's best players will have chances and yeah it's like I said I wouldn't I would never predict United to finish top 4 at this stage of the season but I would not write them off the way I would write, say, West Ham off. Because if some things click into gear, suddenly United will start winning games. And I think that's probably, it, it seems, it's a very enigmatic team. And I think that's a very enigmatic assessment. But I that's how I see it, basically. It's going to depend on whether they just randomly click into gear and, you know, their best five or six players just start steamrolling teams.
0: No, um, I'll, I actually kind of agree with um, some of the points you're making, Aaron. Um, so I, I, don't, I do think Man United are out for fourth. But in terms of finishing above Arsenal, I do believe it's a possibility, and I'll explain why. So they, they, they have one more game played than Arsenal for sure, um, and they've, they're also three points behind. That being said, though, s- similar to um, Arsenal, who we're going to be talking about just, in just a second, they also have a tough run of fixtures, and Arsenal's game in hand that they... That uh that they have over Man United is against Chelsea actually, so it's not like necessarily a favorable fixture. So if they lose that and then they also lose to Manchester United, it's definitely possible that they finish um over um over over Arsenal. But I do agree that I think fourth is well like, pretty pretty much there is the also
1: the North London Derby, right? Yeah, right. for sure. So Spurs have the advantage that Arsenal have to play United, and United have the advantage that Arsenal have to play Spurs. And what tends to happen is that means that. At least one of their rivals will drop all the points, or both of the rivals will drop most of the points. Which means that as long as the team, the the third team, wins those games, they're going to gain ground. And at this stage of the season, those types of marginal differences can be a big impact.
2: So, but the thing is, I just don't think United you know, are that good. I think guys. Are gonna I don't probably. think they are either. I, I, but yeah. this, is, this is where it comes from. I mean, I think theoretically, you guys are abs- You guys can still finish. Fourth, I mean, it's not. But just looking at how you guys have been performing, I know you guys have been perform- performing better under Rangnick. I just don't see a team that I can that I can kind of back and be like week in week out they're gonna get results and it's surprising if they don't. I wasn't surprised when Everton were beating you guys just because I don't think maybe part, of, part. Yeah, it's just you guys aren't. I wouldn't put my money on it. You know what I mean? And I think. Yeah. I think fifth. Yeah. I wouldn't put my money. I, if you guys, I'll be surprised if you guys get fifth. But I, I'm not saying it's out of the possibility. I just don't think there's that. Of the three teams, and I know I'm saying this on the back of Arsenal losing against Palace and Brighton, but of the three teams, if I, if I had to see you guys going in a game that you should win, you guys are by far the least confident I'd see getting that result. Yeah, I
1: think we're all on the same page, and we're just saying the same thing in different ways. <laughs> Ultimately, yeah. if I were to <laughs> write it down, I would write United down as sixth at this point. But yeah, I'm just saying I that I have, after watching this team pretty much every game this season, I have no ability to actually gauge how they're going to do. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I think Arsenal and United almost have flip-flopped in that way where back in previous seasons, I would and even maybe in the beginning of the season, I'm not too like losing to Palace and Brighton doesn't surprise me, of, of like slipping up in those areas um, and Man U now is in that same boat where they have those fixtures and even if they win the big ones I could see them slipping up in the smaller ones that they should be technically taking especially at this point of the season. So I think with that being said, we're going to then move on um, and we're going to That's it for our first part, and we're going to talk about Arsenal and Spurs coming up in the second part, so we can kind of continue this conversation there. But yeah, thanks so much. Please stay tuned for the second part, um, and have a good one. Hello, hello. Welcome back to part two of the discussion for the top four race. Uh, So we just finished talking about West Ham Manchester United, and now we're going to be moving on to talk about Arsenal and Spurs, who are definitely in a little bit better positions than the previous two teams uh, when it comes to actually grabbing the fourth place spot. Um... Alex, I'm obviously going to start with you here um, talking about Arsenal since they are the next on our list. Um, they have 30 games played, so they have an advantage over every other team on this list um, by at least one game in hand. Um, they've scored 45 goals um, and conceded only 36. Uh, from their underlying metrics, I've seen that they're slightly underperforming uh, their finishing. I don't think there's anything too crazy as well, though. Um, they, they might have some of the, the greater margins in, in, in that regard when it comes to XG, but um, but yeah, I I want to get your opinions with the upcoming fixtures and the current position they've had plus of what you've seen of them so far. I know they've lost their last uh you know two games and that's been definitely what's allowed Spurs to to make up ground and 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 probably been a disappointment as an Arsenal fan. Um what do you think uh what do you think they're going to uh or how do you think they're going to perform for the rest of the season and what are the expectations in terms of the top 4?
2: Um so it's kind of funny cuz I I went in quite boldly on saying United are kind of very unlikely to finish ahead of us, but I also kind of, yeah, it's going to be scary to see how we go f- going forward, because we've lost a couple of big players, and I think what we've seen in our Teta teams is they fall apart quite a bit. By the way, how long I is Partey will... out? He's out for the season. Oh. Right? oh, wow. Oh, no, 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 wait, wait. Oh, that's Tierney, Tierney's out for the season. They're not sure on party yet, they're not sure on party ah, okay. yet, but he could be, and Tommy Yasu is coming close, but he's been coming close for like weeks now, so. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see, but but yeah, um, so I'm not sure. I think I think top four is done. Um, that that's when I when I saw Katie was out, that was kind of when I thought. It was very unlikely that we would manage it, and that was before. Yeah, that was before the Brighton game. That was before the the Crystal Palace game. So two losses since then have kind of solidified that for me. Um, I think one thing we have seen with our is he really needs all his parts, to get the team performing like he wants. But I will, I, will, I will say, on the other hand, is I think we haven't performed as badly as the results suggest in the last two games. First half of Palace was, was awful. We were better in the second half, obviously chasing a match, game states counts, And then Brighton, a similar sort of story. Um, bad in the first half, better in the second half, game, states, uh, game state counts. Um, but even, even having said that, I don't think we're going to... I think we will not get top four. And I'm kind of comfortable with that. Um, in In a weird way, it's it's a relief. It's sad, but it's a relief to kind of have arrived at that. I don't think we're gonna to top get top four. I kind of feel like third to sixth is is relatively set in stone, unless United prove me wrong and go on some run of consistency. Yeah, I, I
0: I also agree, which means agreeing here means that like we all kind of, well, I don't know Aaron's opinion yet, but we Let's all kind see of what would agree smiling, that so. with, with, <laughs> we all unanimously agree that Spurs would be the team to finish uh fourth place. Um I yeah, I think uh, you know what, to be fair, I think uh like for me I'm a little biased because I was a bigger fan of Spurs. I think I had Spurs above Arsenal um anyway a little bit especially once Conte came in. Um Arsenal has been interesting where I do like the way they've been playing. They've definitely been a much more consistent team, which is the biggest change um, I've seen uh, from them. That's been really impressive because, you know, I didn't realize how impressed I would be by it until once I saw it because I was like, wow, it just goes to show how long it's been that you've um, been able to see an Arsenal side that can kind of put in some pretty decent performances um, where, where you were impressed by them. And I always liked their personnel too. That's always been my worry, though. There's, there's certain aspects of Arteta that I'm still a little worried about, even though I'm a fan of him generally, um, when it comes to kind of like what you were talking about, Alex, things like their personnel and stuff uh, and his ability kind of to adapt and make do, um, especially when playing against teams that, like, sit a bit deeper and the answers he comes up with. I, I think that's also a big part of it is due to, once you guys do some further recruitment, I think a lot of that stuff could sort I mean, itself out. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I will say that I think in terms of breaking teams down, with being good, it's yeah. just... It's just now that when we've lost one or two of the pieces, it becomes more difficult, right? So. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying that that's not a... I'm not saying that, like, he's not done well with what he's had as well. Uh, I just think um, to... Maybe it's just from from what I've seen, Arsenal fans sometimes jump in the gun a little bit and talk about how great Arteta is, and that's where, like, I feel a need to push back a little bit and talking talk about that more so. I do think Arteta has done a really excellent job, given the context of what... Everything that's gone on with Arsenal outside of just on field um, stuff. It's been a pretty crazy environment to come in um, and, and do the job he's done. That being said, looking at the present, the current run of fixtures definitely don't favor them. They have Menu, they have Chelsea, which is the, the midweek game. Um, they have West Ham and they have Spurs. And the North London Derby, we talked about Spurs, is also away from home. Um, and then also, depending on what Everton's position is, they have um, Leeds know, and Everton. Looking- so they have Right, both. exactly. So I they think have are the okay, two teams.
1: Fair. Um, I don't remember the exact scores right now, but I, I think it's between Everton and Burnley is what I recall.
0: Yeah, it is, but but yeah, Everton have 5 points on Burnley, so...
1: Okay, I... Leeds will I, be
2: safe by the time we play them, though.
1: No? Uh, that's the 4th last game, so I don't know if they'll be mathematically safe, but they'll be probably safe in... So, they would so have Everton to be 12 points on... clear. They would have to be 12 points clear of Burnley, probably. By then, Everton and think Burnley are equal
0: e. on games, but there's a difference of four points actually between uh, Everton and Burnley. So, Well,
1: okay, I, I think that aside, I the difficulty with Arsenal, besides the tough fixtures, is I think they've got a fragile squad. And it's kind of similar to United in that United have probably about six or seven players who can actually execute on a tactical plan um, at this level. And Arsenal probably have a starting 11 or maybe 10. And behind that, it's all of this kind of old um, squad players who need to be cleared out or aren't quite good enough uh, that are coming into the team and just can't really carry it out. And now after a few injuries, it feels like they're going to struggle. I think Spurs, with the managerial stability, the squad they have the players they have up front. I, It, it becomes really difficult to, to predict Arsenal at this point, which is weird because a couple of weeks ago, I would have said Arsenal are almost certain to finish fourth. But then a couple months ago, I would have said Arsenal would need a miracle to finish fourth. So I think I will I will say that I finishing fifth is a really good season. Like, I, yeah, I think people I are... The because they went from fourth to fifth, people are going to look at it as a failure... But if they, if you really look at it, they went from eighth to fifth, which is a big jump. And the jump has come from recruiting well, playing better, uh, coming up with a system that can win games over a full season. And I think that means that whether they finish fifth or fourth, it's still a really good season. It's just a matter of how the coin flipped and the fact that other teams are perhaps slightly ahead of them. Too. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And also, like going forward, I like you know. Out the fragile squad, so be it. But there, they do have an eleven that is quite a good foundation at the least to build on. So I don't know, Alex. Like if you kind of see it a different way, being the Arsenal fan, and uh, you know us being rival fans and stuff. uh you're, you're, uh,
2: yeah. Um, for me, for me, I think I, I've kind of, and maybe I'm naturally pessimistic, partly because of the sort of you know the biases and and stuff. But I, I kind of have always felt that it we weren't gonna get top four, and it's been this agonizing sort of thing for me. Especially with every win, because it just kind of felt like, if you know, that ag- that agony became more real if we kind of lost it. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel quite comfortable with that. We're not going to get fourth, and I think now, and I think I, I'm very happy with the progress that we made this season. Um, also, I think people are speaking about needing really good recruitment. If we'd managed to get fourth, which obviously would have had some luck involved, right? I think some luck being for example, Nuno in the beginning of the season, starting with Spurs rather than actually hiring, like a good manager, right? Yeah. Um Like those things paid into our hands. I think that made it a real sort of possibility, and I think if we'd got fourth, suddenly our prospects going forward would look a lot better. But I don't think you need to. So it feels like a big loss, but I don't think you. But do you it's think so? Smart like to make.
0: Do you think it's a big loss because you guys still, I think, performed above expectation? No, in no, the no, end no, the... no, no, no. It's you're, a good season you're, regardless, you're, right?
2: You're, it's a big loss in terms of what felt possible. Ah, uh, yes. Um, um, three weeks ago, right? Yeah, uh, yeah in sure. W- in terms of, but in terms of our trajectory from the start of the season, yes, I think we've we've made more than enough progress. I was hoping for mm. sixth. We've got the youngest squad. We've we've got a squad that has a lot of players that have only just played together for the first time this season. These are sort of factors that are going to to help us, and I think I hope we we'll recruit well in the summer. Um, mm. So I'm I'm happy with 5th. Um I'd be happy with a little bit disappointed with 6th cuz I I think that means we probably fell away more than we should have even with the injuries. But but overall I think it's been a good season. Um and if we still somehow grab 4th, I think that's going to rely on Spurs really buying yeah. it at some point. Um cause which I they mean, could by the way. That's that never surprising. happened before. That Yeah, no. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so I think I think just in terms of taking the season to account, if we get fourth, I think that's incredibly incredible result, but also just incredible luck. I think we're good. We're good value for fifth this season. Right. I think we're we're a good team for fifth. Um, yeah, it's hard. To, it's hard to to put too much more into it i've already feel like all the emotional energy has been sucked out after that brighton one so happy with. well it.
0: we'll stop sucking out all the energy <laughs> from you and, and, and all the life that's left in your body and, and talk about spurs a little bit more uh definitely to revitalize you yes revitalizing about- an arsenal fan by talking about Spurs. yes exactly exactly um uh, anyway so spurs again one more game played over arsenal so they have 31 games 56 goal score. They scored quite a bit of goals this season and only 37 conceded. So their goal difference is pretty impressive, actually. Um, and, and it's been pretty in line with their performances as well in terms of their underlying metrics, uh, which is which is a good thing. So the run of fixtures also uh, of the list we've just talked about so far is uh, for sure the most favorable. Um, I think they have Brentford, which should be a tough opponent because I want to say they're away from home. I don't know for sure. And they have Liverpool, um, which is... Definitely their toughest opponent, and then the, the, the kind of last most notable kind of tough opponent that they have is Arsenal actually. So and they're home for that game. So so it should be a little bit. They should be favored for that fixture a little bit as well. Um, Spurs. I, I guess I'll get started with them because Spurs are such an interesting um, kind of team for me. Uh, like I've been a big fan of some of the stuff. Well, I'm obviously very happy they brought like you know being a Chelsea fan and stuff. Antonio Conte was definitely one of my favorite managers in Chelsea history, um, and. You know, what he did at you know Inter Milan as well. We've talked about them a little bit too. Uh, I think for some reason, and, and the one thing I want to highlight is what we talked about, right? Like Spurs bottling it, right? For some reason, it doesn't feel like with Conte that that will happen. For some reason, for the first time, like I just think Conte has this kind of because um, it's not a real thing. Well, the bottling stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's a well,
1: myth, sure. and they're just good now, so that's why they're they are why, good. Yeah, exactly, That's why exactly, it doesn't feel like it's gonna happen because no yeah every are, they are time too, sure. they're like 10 points behind or they're or they have like the faintest bit of hope like they have like a 10% chance and then they lose the 10% and everyone goes oh classic spursy they bottled it like they, yeah, this is yeah. just they were never
0: there's Except definitely a narrative as the side of it, yeah. The
1: Leicester season was the only season where Spurs like should have a- yeah, yeah, yeah. could have actually won the league. And even then they were a I'm, number I'm of also, points behind.
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna come in there. They're there they that was also like a, a fault that whole like coming third in the two horse race, they were overperforming Arsenal actually were the best on underlying metrics. We ended it we ended second in the season. Spurs I think were second best overall. But I, I don't know. I think I don't think they were ever really. They they didn't bottle it so much. It's just no. It's not bottling. They lost. I they, like s- they lost to Newcastle five one or something, and people, yeah. people laughed at them. That, well, that was I feel like some of the
0: some of the narrative of bottling has been fueled by the fact that. They, they had kind of been, particularly under Potch, been up there. They had improved and then been, like, second place every single season. And I think there wasn't, like, a consistent progression to make that step to actually being... I think that's more so where it comes from, of, like, hey, you guys got second. Yeah, and you've improved to second. But then, like, the seasons after getting to the Champions League final, like, they never really capitalized to actually win anything. I and feel that's like bottling has just been great. something associated it's not bottling with as for much, like, yeah.
2: 10-plus years. That probably was... It's a trophy, point, drought, right? that yeah, it's trophy know, drought that some people that, that rival that
1: fans have it. like have kind of weaponized as something to course, annoy yeah. people with, and then Spurs yeah. fans have also gotten really like personal and emotional about it. But I think yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the main point is, regardless of all of that, they're favorites to finish top four this season, and the reason sure. is in the metrics, uh, the squads they're going to be putting on the pitch for the remaining games, uh, the coach. In all, pretty much in all departments now, I would say that they're the best of the four teams that we've talked about today. Um, they have the easiest fixtures of the four teams that we've talked about today. So it just feels like that. It just feels like they're favorites. And in the last couple games, in my opinion, they've looked really good from what I've seen. Really good. Um, really good. They look like. Well-
0: Hold on, the Villa game was really, like, no, actually, no, I don't want to say really good, although I am hyping Spurs here as a Chelsea fan, which is weird, Uh, but I just enjoy a lot of their players and Conte obviously, and stuff like that. The Villa game was super interesting. They went up early off of an insane strike, and then they were getting peppered for the whole, like, half, where, like, like, Villa should have scored two, if not three goals, and that changed, that would have changed the entire game, but instead, they went in... Halftime, one nil, came out, scored one more, game state. Now Villa's committing even more forward and they just killed him in transition even more, you know. It is, and
1: but when you look at that as riding off the back of a two 0 win over Brighton, three one over West Ham, and five sure, one over for Newcastle. Sure. I'm just talking about the like, Villa Those are three things. teams. Yeah. Brighton probably not so much, but West Ham and Newcastle are in really good form and they pretty much just brush them aside. So yeah. I think
2: I, I think Alex. I know Alex. You're making some faces here. Tell me. Tell me what you're thinking. He's I upset
1: that those. I said Brighton aren't in good form because they beat the mighty I, Arsenal. But
2: I, I think they got un. I think they got unlucky earlier in the season with the shots going in, and I think they haven't been as good as their results have shown. This. I think it's just natural variance. I don't, I don't think, know, I oh, think they really? have been as
1: good as the results have shown, but the problem is that Conte is super dramatic, and every time they lose a game, he's like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If, like, I might leave, I might leave, that's it, I like, don't know they're what's gonna, going like, uh, Somewhere along the line of, <laughs> yeah. uh, of these games, they're going to lose one match, and he's going to be like, I don't know if I can show my face in this country anymore, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. everyone's going to be like, oh, it's all falling <laughs> apart at Spurs, and then they'll win yeah, the next yeah, game, yeah. and everyone will be like, they're finishing fourth. Um, yeah, no, it's yeah really they. Funny, it, it really is in their hands this time, I, I think.
2: I mean, it should be, right? They're, they're also perfectly... They've got Conte. They've got two of the five, maybe. I don't know where you have Son, but two of the five, let's say, best players in the league. Definitely in terms of performance. Son is the top scorer in
1: the league on non-penalty goals?
2: Yeah. So No, you know what was of-
0: such a interesting thing as well? That, like, after their transfer window, right, they lost, like, quite a few names, but they weren't really using... Guys like Lacelso and Dombele and stuff like that. I think like, that's a big loss, efforts.
1: though. So, I think... I personally think with Conte, you kind of have to go with it. And I don't think they can get a better manager than Conte, so it's fine. But... The fact that they haven't been able to get something out of Ndombele and Lo Celso. I think we're seeing in Europe right now that like that was yeah. a, that, that that's no, a failure. No,
2: no, for, for sure, for the, sure. But like the thing I, is though, is that Conte is also very, very specific with what he yeah. wants. I'm surprised yeah. Ndumbeli didn't find a, didn't find the place. There. I'm not. I'm, less I'm honestly not. I'm honestly not. Well, personally. I think he seems kind of, he, he kind of insistent on going
1: with this three four three, and I don't like Ndombele in the three four three. I think you got Fair to, enough. If you're gonna play on Donnelly, you kind of need yes. him next to like you need him in front of a six, and then next to someone like Connor Gallagher, who's like this. I agree with his the, job yeah, needs I to be think, to get I the ball from one side of the pitch to I the other play, and not worry about, about pivots
0: Really, I I, he, not a three-back pivot. I don't think in a maybe in you a, would, a four. You would know better than two, me, but three, I
1: think one. the the problem is more the two-man midfield than a pivot specifically. I don't I don't necessarily yes, I like him playing alone with one other central midfielder in the Premier League. Yeah,
2: game. I mean I mean my idea my idea I think we had a pod our first ever pod actually was when Conte just died, and I said I I can see Dombele playing ahead of Skip in part of yeah. a a three, yeah. right? Um just shout out Skip's done really well so I feel good about that sort of Conte prediction until he, until he got injured. Um but yeah, so I'm surprised Nombele didn't work. I'm less surprised Lukelso didn't work, and purely just because I've not really seen a player that has LaCalso's sort of attributes in a in in a Conte side before, and I feel like Conte has very specific profiles that he wants. So that's yeah. purely my well. Long story short, L'Culso. I think yeah, yeah.
1: I think he wants two hardworking midfielders um, at, to play his pivot in a three four three, and let uh, guys like. Kulusevski do most of the creative, uh, most of the creative work, and Conte has very, very specific sort of rules that govern how the ball gets from one side of the pitch to the other. And I think, in a way, that that maybe diminishes how he perceives someone like Ndombele who can who can make things like that happen in a way that other players can't. Um, yeah. So. Well. I don't think it worked out. Token, though, but anyway, the... I think I think the point is. They've kind of figured out a balance between having a great manager and also getting a lot of their best talent on the pitch in a way that that works well.
0: yeah I, I, I want to say because the thing is like I want to touch on really quick before we wrap up some of those like Kulisevsky, as you mentioned, right I mean betsker coming in I think um, I don't I've been pretty impressed with him although I didn't have expectations for him to be that guy. Uh, I, I was uh, listening to actually the uh, the double pivot podcast and they were talking about that. Bentekar's been good, clearly, but it's really been Kulisevsky, I think, who's made that huge difference because it's like Bentekar. It could have been Skip, for example, potentially with alongside uh, Hoyberg who who ended up filling that role anyway. Obviously his injury, but bentiker has been a really good kind of progressive outlet. I actually really just like aesthetically, even uh, you know the way he, the kind of player he is, but Kulusevski. Is just I, I don't get why Juventus let him leave I, I I and maybe I just need to read more into the situation itself and talk to someone um you know who's a Juventus fan and understand the situation a little more but he I think it's so funny with the kind of uh, lack of utility that either Bergwijn and Lucas could provide in terms of like being f- fitting into that final third member um and, and solidifying themselves they were more kind of like tested between the two. Kossakiewicz just seems so well rounded. He seems like A+ plus in terms of creation, A+ plus in terms of his ability to make the runs off the ball, and also a pretty capable finisher if need be, right? And that the guy's like I think 22,
2: 21, 22. 21. Like yeah. He's one of the best players. He's, He's going to so be one of the best players in the world. I mean, I remember He's so I didn't watch talented. him much for Juve, but I remember his breakout season with Palermo. Yes. Dude was insane. He was one of the best players I think he also got a double-double in the league at 19. I don't
0: get how Juventus let him leave and how clubs let Spurs get the deal that they got for him too. Like but I mean, clubs.
2: Spurs is an attractive destination and Conte always wanted but to But have so you I read understand. the deal like
0: about how he's like 40000000 million they're going to cost him in the end or something like that? But I, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. maybe... 30 40 million, something like it's that.
1: It's also important to note that the dynamics, I think, suit him quite well. He's got...
0: Sure, he's got
1: sure. uh, He's got a solid striker. Um, the other winger is a runner who tends to get in behind a lot. Both of, their, both of those players are also among the best in the world in that they can also drop deep and create. Um, they've got two wingbacks who are always providing width. So all of the stuff he does is pretty much just supplementary contribution, and that allows him the freedom to do so many different things. I mean, for things.
2: sure. What, what we're seeing as a very, very good player... And I don't think you get that under, for- under Allegri yeah. at Juventus. Yeah, I think so, that's fair, Alex. I mean, they were also playing Chiesa. They didn't really have a plan. It was just Juventus Hoover. up time. is a very
1: different player, though, in my opinion. But I, No, I no, just... but
2: I'm saying in, over him on the right, and then they were playing him at, like, centre-forward or whatever. I'm, I'm not talking in terms of role. I'm just talking in terms oh. of he literally <laughs> didn't get a chance at Juventus. Allegri
1: will Allegri. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I, I, but anyway, and, I think the point PLO is will PLO. It, it's a great addition. Ben Tancur is a good addition in that I think he's yeah. kind of like an upgrade on what they had. Uh, as an industrious midfielder, a little bit of progression, a little bit of defensive work, uh, and I think that's exactly what Conte wanted. So it, it's just all worked out well for them, and I think that means that they're now primed to to get this done.
0: Yeah, I think we're all in agreement, and, and and I think that means that we think we expect the. You know, from six to four to seven, pretty much to remain the exact same way it is as it is. As boring as that is, it seems to be uh, the case for (laughs) sure. But who knows? There's obviously a lot of room for for flip flops and narratives. Uh, With that being said, uh, we're going to wrap up this episode. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. Once again, as always, please be sure to follow us. be fair,
2: West Ham Ham are above United at the moment, but I know that that, they've also got a game in hand. Yeah.
0: Well, no, I think they're even (laughs) on points now. Even okay. I'm 21.
2: I'm saying um, West
1: Ham 4th, Palace 5th. Okay, hold um, on. West Ham 4th?
0: Hold on. <laughs> uh,
1: Brighton 6th, okay. and Newcastle 7th.
0: No, no, I'm going Norwich actually is going to come from deep and actually. You know. At least pick something that's <laughs> mathematically possible. Yeah, true, true, true. All right, don't get me on the stats now. Anyways, this has been our episode for the week. This is the official sign-off. Thanks so much for listening. Please be sure to follow us on all our socials, at FootballPer90. Twitter is definitely the best way to kind of uh, get involved um, uh, and and, and reach out. Um, But yeah, that's it for this week. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Bye.